Welcome to the True Adventure Podcast, episode 46. The True Adventure Podcast is the podcast where you already know that Mother Nature is crucial in becoming the best version of yourself. So we're going to take that to the next level. Here, we learn how to use Mother Nature's lessons to grow, excel, and become our truest self. So let us do just that. Welcome to the True Adventure Podcast. Hello, friends. Happy Friday. I'm your host, Karina Baldwin. So excited that you are here. It is foggy (laughs) out here in Washington. It is our sunshine has gone away. It was here yesterday. It was incredible. Sun was out. I was outside only for a little bit yesterday. I was just getting things done, checking things off the list, ready to go. And I sold two spots to Zion adventure and yoga retreat, which means that there is only one left. One. One bed left, my friends. So you are going to want to jump on this. When we go to Zion, you will not only get all access to Zion National Park, obviously, but we are getting and have permits to Angel's Landing, which is a very sought after hike and actually so sought after that back in the day when the Mormons first found Zion National Park and Zion Canyon, before it was Zion National Park, they saw this peak and believed it was so high no humans could ever reach it. They believed that only angels could land there. And that is how it's got its name. So we will be hiking and summiting Angels Landing. And that is so exciting, so fun. We did it last year and it's truly so empowering. You can go back and listen to a couple of the episodes. Um, I believe it was episode 20 something, 23 with Sydney Horn. And we really talk about the lessons she learned and how she got from crawling on all fours at the start of Angel's Landing, the scary part, the half mile, the last half mile. It is straight down. If you are terrified of heights, probably not the hike for you, probably not the retreat for you, but we can talk about that on the consult call. But if you are like, "Mm, heights are kind of scary, but let's try it. Or you're like, hell yeah, let's go stand on some cliff sides. (laughs) This is definitely the hike that you want to do. So it's like straight down either side. You have this chain in order to help you just, you know, feel stable, get ready um, as you're walking up this traverse. And this particular part, some parts, uh, there have been man-made steps that have been kind of put in place in order to assist you in getting up to the peak. But Sydney had started on all fours, crawling, not sure if she had done it. And then her and I had a little chat and she had a little chat with her brain. She had a little chat with her legs and she (laughs) made it to the top and it truly was absolutely incredible. And we had another retreater get to the top, thought it was way harder than she thought it was going to be. She didn't think she had any issues with heights. She thought she was going to go in and crush it. She ended up crushing it, but she definitely struggled a little bit more. And then at the top, there was an emotional release of just wave of, I did it. I did the hard thing. I did the scary thing. I put myself out there and I did it. And let me tell you, that is the true adventure. Because it 
yes, we go and we do some scary things on these retreats. We go and we do some physically hard things on these retreats. But, but even bigger than that, you allow your brain to do hard things. Your brain is the one that's in charge here. Your brain tells your legs to keep going. Your brain tells your heart to keep going, right? And so when you show up and you do these physically hard things, doing them day in and day out, whether you're summoning Angel's Landing or you're doing a scary presentation, you are building your mental toughness. You are building your mental capabilities to show up consistently day in and day out. Because the true adventure is not summoning the mountain, but the true adventure is pushing past your abilities and doing the hard thing, even when you're scared, even when fear is there, even when doubt is there, and you're showing up. So join us in Zion. It is more than just a pretty place with amazing views. You are getting a true adventure. All right, my friends, we are going to dive right into today's episode. I have another Baja retreater here on this episode, and the lesson she learned, where she was, how she got to where she was, and just her whole story is truly inspiring. And I want you to really listen to the lessons and the life advice she has to give because this woman is absolutely incredible. All right, my friends, let's just dive in. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode. I'm your host, Karina Baldwin, and I have a very special guest with me. Her name is Asley Reinhardt. She is a skilled cosmetologist with seven plus years of experience and a co-owner of bridal beauty team, Kay and Hart, out of Renton, Washington. Her passion for helping brides looking their best and most authentic self on their special day is only matched by her love for new adventures, travel, and a damn good slice of pizza. She's a devoted fiance and a mother with her own wedding coming up in June. I'm so excited for that, by the way. I'm so excited. So Azzy and, and her nickname, Azzy, um, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Tell us, elaborate, uh, what's your favorite slice of pizza? What's, uh, your favorite adventure? Goodness. Oh, okay. The pizza part. That's a hard one. I mean, I'm a sucker for just like a good old slice of pepperoni. Honestly, I like all the, you <laughs> know, other stuff or whatever. Yeah. Pepperoni, pepperoni, jalapeno, and Mike's hot honey. Let's if mm. we want to get fancy with it. Um, I really love that. Um, and uh my favorite adventure oh gosh i've had so many recent ones that it's hard to pick but um i would say this this new adventure that i've got going on with my best friend rachel you know this new business thing we got going on it opening up this new bridal team like that is a whole wild new adventure i'm an entrepreneur at heart so it's just something new and exciting and the great thing about it is it's taking me new places so with the bridal team, we go to mountains and beaches and all of that. So within that little adventure, there's a bunch of little adventures. And I, I I'm really that. excited to explore more of that. I love that. And you know what? Right off the bat, you hit something that I think a lot of people forget is adventure doesn't necessarily have to mean like you're out in nature in the backcountry. I mean, like yours, like you said, little bits and pieces of it are. But your adventure is starting a new business with your best friend. And like that in itself is an adventure. And like people forget that adventure is not a box and actually like adventure is 
like this huge thing absolutely that can be qualified by anything you want it to be like your adventure could be like finding a new pizza shop in Seattle food and clothes you know it could be adventurous with makeup you could be adventurous just in I'm like I don't know like trivia night like right like exploring new things new (laughs) restaurant I don't know so many different exactly. things. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Like adventure can mean so much to so many different people. So I love that. Mm. So how did you get into the CEO role? How did you get into starting a business? How did you get into this field of business? Tell them a little bit more about the seven plus years. Oh gosh. Um, okay. Yeah, I guess a very I got a big question. <laughs> yeah, it is a big question, but it's one of my favorite stories to tell, honestly, mm. because I feel like it's really relatable. Um, mm-hmm. I started out like everybody else. I think, you know, I thought maybe I wanted to go to college. I didn't really have the money for that. And I see all my friends going to college and I decided to work just a bunch of part-time jobs and which I loved. I done everything from working in the tanning industry to being an HR person at a medical manufacturing company to being a live-in nanny Mm. to um, working at this fabulous little deli shop in Temecula, California called Tetrazzini's making deli, slicing deli meat and making beignets. I, you know, I don't know. I, I love that. <laughs> it was I, awesome. <laughs> whenever stories like that happen where you're like, okay, now you're like this CEO role that does yeah. this very creative thing. And, but once you were like chopping up deli meat, it like yeah. reminds me of all those stories of all those like incredible people. And I was just listening to one about Oprah and like Oprah got fired when she was like 30 or something like that at That's whatever. Right. And That's someone was like, can you imagine firing Oprah? And the girl that was like telling the story was like, yeah, because she was just some punk ass kid. That's she right. Oprah yet, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and she needed to be fired in order mm-hmm. to be Oprah. You mm-hmm. needed to be slicing deli meat in order to be doing what you're doing now. Like there's so many things that have to happen that quote unquote, like some are failures, like full blown mm-hmm. fell on my face failures. And then others are like, what the heck was I doing slicing deli meat? I don't know, but here I am. I'm a CEO now. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Maybe in another lifetime, another dimension that that was my job. I found deli slicing, just the passion of my career. Like that's what I loved. And I opened up my own deli shop. Who knows? But in that. this lifetime, I <laughs> worked so many different things and that wasn't it. Um, and, you know, I found that in the, the common thing, my theme of all of them, though, was that I really love to serve people like mm-hmm. I have this love hate relationship with people. I'm sure we all do. But um, I secretly truly love people like yes. I do. They're such interesting, fascinating creatures. And, you know, I found myself it more and more service-based jobs than anything. Mm-hmm. And then I found myself, uh, doing, uh, industrial staffing. And mm-hmm. when you're doing staffing or recruiting, a lot of people think like tech or HR work and stuff, and you're working with all these administrative people and whatnot, but I was working with industrial people, people that work warehouse jobs and forklifting and, you know, working with their hands and really getting down to like the nitty gritty jobs that nobody else really wants to do. And these were passionate people that just wanted to feed their families and, you know, raise money for kids college, you know, whatever, just take care of themselves. And I found a love for helping these people you know, feed their families. I was like, oh, guess what? You know, George, I got a job for you and you're going to love it. It pays $20 something an hour, blah, blah, blah. And just hearing the joy in their voice. Like, I think that's really what kept me going in that job more than the pay. I, mean, I was good at it and I had good client relations and everything. But um, 
I started to realize I was in a cubicle and yeah. both of my parents um, are artists. My mom did nails for 20 years and my dad still does airbrush artwork on murals and cars and hot rods and pinstriping and everything. I mean, he can work with any medium out there. It's crazy. Um, and so I've always had that inside of me and I love to paint and do all of that. And so I'm sitting in a cubicle and I'm like, oh my God, this is freaking miserable. Like I'm, I'm so miserable being here. So I took a vacation and I went to Burning Man with a bunch of my friends and I met some of the most authentic, true people I have ever met in my life that were living their, whatever it was, whatever their truth was, their art, their passion. I mean, there are CEOs out there. There's artists out there. I don't want people to think Burning Man is just like some hippie fest in the desert. Like they're, they're like legit people Mm. there, true, honest people there. And I got the opportunity to connect with them. And I was like, I'm miserable. I'm miserable. And they're like, well, yeah, you're not living your truth. What do you love to do? And I'm like, I love art. And all my friends around me were like, girl, you got to get out of this office and do something with your life and something that makes you happy. And I'm sitting there braiding their hair in the middle of the desert, helping them with makeup. And I was like, I kind of like doing this. And they're like, why don't you do this? And I was like, why don't I do this? And so (laughs) Karina, when I tell you that on my way home, I looked up a beauty school I wanted to go to. I'm in the car on the way back from the desert and I looked up a beauty school. I found the closest one. I went into work the next day. I sat down, looked my boss in the face and he goes, you're quitting, aren't you? And I was like, and he's like, you know what? I'm so happy for you. He's like, take the next two weeks with pay, like go get ready for school, all that. I went back to my job at T-Mobile. They worked with my schedule and I got into cosmetology and that was about seven years ago. And I'm shaking talking about this because like I said, it's one of my favorite stories to tell. Like it wasn't until that I followed my gut and was true to myself that I found my true passion. Mm -hmm. And so that's what wound me up behind the chair. And then, um, flash forward to like COVID hitting and everything. And I was in a commission-based job and I really wanted to work for myself uh, I actually started working out for myself, which for all you other cosmetologists out there, if you're thinking that you can't go directly into the chair from school, you can like, absolutely. Like you've got the drive, you got the passion. You don't need somebody to tell you what to do. You don't need a commission-based job. Don't be afraid of the money. Go straight mm-hmm. for it. If that's what you want to do. Um, so I started off with myself, had my son, and then, um, went to a commission-based job. And I was like, I, I don't want to be here. Pandemic hit. And then I met Rachel And, uh, one of my old colleagues reached out to me, my old school instructor and was like, Hey, I know this gal. She's got a great chair in Renton. You'd love her. And I went in, I talked to Rachel and the rest is history. Like we bonded immediately. And from there, it's just been, it's all golden. It's all, it's, it's amazing. And I I love my life. I love, I love my job. I, I love who I'm becoming. I love who I am. I love everybody around me. And, that's just from following my dreams. So I, there is so much that I want to go into (laughs) off of that. I, I'm just so happy. I I've heard that story, I think three times now, Mm. and I just love it. I love it so much because what's so cool. And I literally just actually, I just wrote a post about this this morning is that when you're making like big decisions, the, the scare, the terrified, like doesn't go away, but you're also making it when you know, it's right. It's like almost a pay a, a feeling of like relief mm-hmm. of like, this is it. Like, yeah. I'm sure going into your boss's office, it's still scary to quit. It's still un- like, there's uncertainty there. It's not going to be like, and then rainbows and butterflies happen. Sure. Right. But also it sounded like you were, there was such a big feeling of 
this is what I want to do. Like certainty of that, of like, I may not know exactly what my future holds, but it's not what I'm in right now. And so I'm, I'm out, I'm done. I'm good. And I'll figure it out. Yeah. I think one of the things that I've heard over the last couple of years that I really try to remind myself about when I get in those scary situations is that it's kind of a gray area, like fear and excitement. They, they live in a gray area. So if one of the things I heard is if I can be scared, I can be excited. And I realized that like those butterflies and those feelings I got going into quitting my job, like as much as I didn't want to admit it, cause like, it might've sound selfish. Like I was stoked to quit my job. I was like, <laughs> Oh my God, I'm going in to quit my job. But your mind wants you to think that like, Oh my God, you're going in to quit your job. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to bring that up that like, it is a great area. And if you could just, you know, tweak it this way, tweak it that way, then you actually find that what you're feeling is mostly excitement. Like, <laughs> and physiologically it's the same thing that's happening. Oh yeah. Like, I'm, I'm shaking right now. <laughs> oh my God. Feeling it. And I think it's so funny because I always, when people talk about scared, I'm like, okay, describe these feelings of scared. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then they like do, they're like butterflies in my stomach. I feel like I'm going to throw up. Like I'm shaking. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, like my brain's racing and I'm like, okay, think back to the last first date you went on that you were really excited about. Right. And I'm like, what did you feel? And they're like, I was shaking. I want to throw up. Yep, but like, butterflies. Like, yep same feelings physiologically, Mm -hmm. like what's happening in your body. All it is, is your thoughts about it. Like Mm -hmm. all it is, is you changing. I'm excited. I'm scared and inner, you know, flipping them Mm -hmm. to whatever you want and are okay with feeling, you know, and that's exactly, you know, what you just described. And I think that's so cool. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. The other thing that I wanted to talk about off that, um, have you ever read the book stealing fire? No, I have not. Okay. You should put it on your list because it's literally about, um, like CEOs and high performers going to burning man. And, um, it's so cool. Um, I read it actually one of my friends, um, he, I always thought of him as like a straight edge person. And he was like, yeah, burning man would be cool. And I was like, you know, pre reading this book, I was like, Mm -hmm. burning man is a bunch of like people doing acid and LSD yeah, in the desert. the desert. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> and then I read this book and it was like all these Silicon Valley, like CEOs, high tech, like crazy creative in a, oh, yeah. in a very traditional sense. Um, we're going to the desert and having these epiphanies and like, yeah. I need to do this. This is how I solve the world hunger problem. Yeah, 100%. You know? Like, this is how I made, like, I'm, I don't think Steve Jobs did it, but like, this is how (laughs) Apple came about. Right. Right. (laughs) You know, these are like, I'm some CEOs are very transparent about it. And are like, I went to the desert and like, some of them do drugs. Some of them do don't do it. And they do the like sober based on, you can actually like induce psychedelic effects through music and art. Oh, a hundred percent. I saw energy vibration, all that stuff. Yeah. I'm super spiritual. So that's a whole other podcast, but <laughs> that was, the, that's the crazy thing about burning man is it does like awaken all these things. And I did kind of have the same, you know, notion, preconceived notion about going before. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, they learn to like people doing drugs, whatever. You know, I like smoke weed. It's cool. You know, whatever. Yeah. But when I got there, surprisingly enough, like 80% of the people that I met, 90% of the people I met in that moment were completely and totally sober. And in fact, were on a sober journey or, Mm. you know, you know, just doing that. And they were just there to experience it. And it kind of like shifted my perception about it. And I really try to shift other people's perception because 
it was, I was nervous to tell yeah. people about my story, like, you know, to every bride. Yeah. I went to Burning Man and blah, blah. And, you know, I'm afraid they're going to be like, oh my God, there's like a freaking drug artist doing yeah. my hair right now. God, you know, he's going to be doing and my hair on LSD. Exactly. Like, <laughs> is it going to look good? Oh, geez. And so I tried to kind of say, you know, that part of the story too, where I'm like, you know, this is actually what it is. It's a giant art installation. It's a giant city. It gets its own zip code. They have their own radio station. And when I was out there, like, even for me, I think, I mean, I was pretty much sober, like 80% of the time too. Like that's, Mm -hmm. and I was there for the seven whole days and just the people you meet, it's just, it's a life-changing experience. It really is. I Burning Man's been on my list. I was going to go back in 2020 and I was like ready to go. Tickets were, were like about to go on sale and then COVID hit and they put it on pause. And I was like, all right, well, and then I've been scheduling because they don't come out with the dates until like February of the year or something like that. Yes. They do a lottery every year for the tickets and God, that was a whole other journey in itself was just getting the tickets getting the Lord. Cause I just sat there and clicked over and over again. Cause everybody's jumping on to get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. You buy the tickets in February and then usually the dates are in August. So you just kind of yeah. like block out time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So crazy. Actually one of my grandparents, I think it's so funny. My grandparents live across the street from this guy that goes every year. Like mm-hmm. he fills a bus, a school bus lives in the bus for the week. Yes. And him and his buddies like all go. And my grandparents were like, you should go with him. And at the time, again, thought it was all LSD. So I was like, this is hilarious. I wonder if my grandparents know like what exactly is happening here. Right. (laughs) But you also didn't know exactly what it was either. Exactly. So there's just all, you know, and I think that just goes to the preconceived notions that we have about anything and about quitting and about corporate and about owning your own business and Mm -hmm. all of that. So with that, like, what were the preconceived notions then you had about owning your own business? Did you think like, and I'm going to own, you know, I'm going to step into a chair and my chair is going to be filled. And then like, that's that. And then here we are. Or like, what, what did you think was going to happen as you dove into owning your own brand, your own business, your own art? Um, well, like I said before, like, I guess going back to school, um, when I was in school, I was so confident, so <laughs> confident. I was going to have all the clients and all the things. And I was the best hairstylist. Like we're all type A personalities. So, you know, it's just, <laughs> you go out just thinking that, but, um, uh, they, they do teach you like a business portion in school and they do, they do tell you like, you can go this way, you can go that way, you can go this way, you know, whatever, which way you want to go, whether it's the chair or commission-based and most people go commission-based because it feels safe. And I actually, uh, had the opportunity to not have to worry about it. My ex-husband's military, he, you know, we're married and I didn't necessarily have to worry so much about money. And mm-hmm. that, that was my privilege. Like I didn't have to go into a commission-based job. I could just pick what I wanted to do. Um, but with that being said, I do want to say that while I did have the support of my ex-husband, like I still, I still went into it with zero dollars. It's not like he was like, here, here's five grand, babe. I love you. Like, go start your business. You know, he doesn't even sound like that. Um, but you know, here it is. And so I, I went into it. I, I found somebody outside of school. I was like, I want to rent a chair. She was generous enough with me to be like, Hey, I'll give you the first month free. I worked with uh, local color companies to like, you know, give me a deal on the first you know color. So, you know, I getting out of school, I thought I, I, I have, I have had a big ego. I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna do the thing. And but I didn't realize I had no idea about 
like the business side of the business. Like I'm a creative person, right? So I'm thinking <laughs> the money just comes and then the bills are paid. And so that was one thing. And like taxes is just 15%. And oh that's it. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> like, wait, no, I earned that. Okay. So that was, you know, that was definitely something that like was a swift kick in the ass, like right outside of school, you know, a year later, I was just like, oh shit, I got to do all this stuff. Like I got to, there's stuff that goes with the creative thing. And um, but I, uh, got pregnant and then I realized, you know, I want to stay home and I did a home salon thing. And so that was another transition that I went into. And that was really hard. Like I realized that, you know, in school you're surrounded by a bunch of people and you've got your networking, your clicks and all that stuff. And the drama, we all love the drama. And at home, there's nobody there except this dramatic baby. Like, you know, I'm just like, <laughs> I have my son who I love dearly. Like I love him so much, Fred. Um, but it was hard being alone, you know, without, mm. without being in a salon or whatever. So I also had that preconceived notion where I'm like, oh, if I, if I'm working alone and by myself, like, then I can do what I want and I don't have to answer to a boss, but then being alone was like rough. I didn't understand mm. networking groups at the time or, you know, reaching out for help in the industry or whatever. So that was also another shock. And then, you know, world shut down. I don't know. I went to go work at a commission-based salon because I was like, I need adult interaction. Like I'm with my, you know, my ex-husband would get deployed and, you know, and then I'd be at home with the baby for months and I didn't have that adult interaction. I was living deep in the woods. So I was like, I got to get back to reality. So, um, went and worked at a commission-based salon and my preconceived notion about working in a commission-based salon is that you have no creativity. You, you know, you go in, you do hair, you get paid, you go home. And that didn't sound fun to me. And I was like, I don't want to work for somebody else. But then somebody's like, yeah, but they take care of your taxes and buy all the color and organize everything. And all you got to do is show up. And at the time I was burnt out, you know, being a mom and running my own business for the very first time, not knowing what the hell I was doing. Um, I was exhausted. So did that for a little while, but then year or two later, that little entrepreneurial itch it starts scratching at me. I started observing the salon and noticing like, well, if I could do that, I would do that better. And I would do this better. And I think that's mm. a little voice in all of our entrepreneur heads. You know, if you're wondering if you can do it better, then you might be able to, and maybe you should, you know, but <laughs> I, you know, I never, I never, never know. But, um, you know, and then I, I was like, I want to just get back into doing my own thing. So I think in a very weird way, the pandemic was a blessing and a curse for some mm -hmm. of us. Um, scared the shit out of me. I just went through my divorce, just moved into my new apartment on the day of the shutdown, May 28th, 29th, March 28th, 29th. And I had no idea what I was going to do. I'm like, do I go back to the salon? Do I do my own thing? I just had this gut feeling to like do my own thing, but I was petrified of the money. And I had already done a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And I was like, I got to go back. I got to go back to doing my own thing. So I did. I just took the leap. I love that. It's, it truly like COVID was so interesting because it's so hard for me to not be grateful for it. And for so many people, so yeah. many businesses were birthed <laughs> because yeah. of COVID yeah. and it's amazing. And also is this terrible pandemic. So it's like hard. Yeah. I am so thankful for COVID, but also I wish you know, there was not nearly as many deaths or any deaths that right. happened because it's of it. It's 
a balance of light and dark. It's, you know, mm-hmm. that gang, unfortunately, like you give, you receive, like it's all balance of energy. And like, I don't want to like make it so black and white for the people who have like suffered losses through COVID. Like right. it's not black and white whatsoever, but I mean, and not to be a toxic positive person or anything like that. Like I get suffering. I trust me, I get it. Mm-hmm. But you know, there are, there were wonderful things that did come out of it. And mm-hmm. outside of the business realm, I think it made a lot of people realize like, stop, they needed to stop. Like mm-hmm. we get so caught up. I think, you know, I listened to your podcast about the ahas and bahas and how we get so caught up in like mm-hmm. the next step. What do we got to do? What do we got to do? And, and, you know, the laundry and the kids and the, you know, yeah. oh my God, I got to take a shower now. Like this, that, yeah. that's, that's hell in itself. And so I think it caused people to stop. And that was great for some people were like, Oh my God, finally a deep breath Mm. for some people. They were like, what the hell do I do with my hands? Like I am, (laughs) I don't, I can't, I don't like this. I don't like this. So it, it, out of that, you know, came the birth of not just businesses, but like new people, new personalities, new, new outlooks on life. And I'm grateful for that because it did, it did help me in that realm too. The wellness injury in industry in general, like skyrocketed, right? It was wild to see how much more people valued mental health and wellness and checking up on themselves and anything from spa services and massages to yoga retreats, to yoga memberships, to therapy to meditation memberships yes. like so all of with how many people are in therapy right now like yeah so oh so I'm it's like, like hey. so it's like so normal like I literally yeah. went on a date and someone was like so are you in therapy I was like yeah and they were like that's hot I was like yeah, right you're like oh yes green flags <laughs> I was like thank right. you thank you I know and that, that used to be such a stigma like yeah I think that's one thing you know I offer grace to you know like my mom and my grandma and stuff like that because you know it was such a stigma back then like mm-hmm. oh you're in therapy oh my god you're crazy you have hysteria like right yeah so it, it was so cool to see that come out of the pandemic for sure yeah it's one of them so mm-hmm. for sure so yeah. speaking of the next thing next thing next thing and how you got on Baja, the retreat that you joined oh, us yeah. for. Yeah. So where were you at when you realized, like, where were you emotionally, you know, mentally, physically, when you realized that like, okay, I have to do this or like, I should do this yeah. and I'm going to do this. I would say mentally, emotionally, physically, like right off the bat, I would say I was at a plateau. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. going anywhere. wasn't doing anything. I was stagnant. Mm-hmm. And when you're stagnant like that, but you, it was like a duck in water, right? It's like, I, I'm not really going anywhere. I'm yeah. just pedaling or no, no. The analogy that I use is doing the same load of laundry over and over again. Like mm. I'm doing all this work, but it's not actually getting folded and put away and actually being used. Like, yeah. and I, you know, I'm working in the salon and when Rachel, when I first started working there, Rachel and I, my best friend and co-owner of Canhart. Um, we both were like, we had these wild dreams of being blonde specialists. We're like, we want all the blondes because they're great and they pay lots of money and all of that. But oh my God, it is so much flipping work to sit and blonde and typically a blondeaholic does not want to take care of their hair. And it's just a lot of work. It's a lot of maintenance. And we were, I, you know, I think a couple months into us being blonde specialists, we looked at each other and we're like, we friggin' hate this. Like, this is awful. You know, we kind of got on the subject of like, what do you like to do? She's like, I love bridal. And I'm like, I love bridal too. Like, what do you do? She's like, I do both. I'm like, I do both, which is rare. We're unicorn yeah. and makeup. And so we start talking about that and we start 
you know, putting the cogs in the machine to like work together and everything, but wasn't really going anywhere. And then my, even my business, like I was stagnant in my social media. I was stagnant in, oh my God, being physical is just, it's not on a list of things that I like to do, <laughs> but I will say right before this, Rachel killed me in arms day. I've been working out every Love week. It. So I'm, I'm, I feel good though. I feel good. I'm proud of you. I'm so thank you. Um, so <laughs> I was just feeling really stagnant in all those areas. And she's like, Hey, like, um, you know, to backtrack a little bit, Kelsey's also my business coach through Rachel. Um, so mm-hmm. that's how that kind of got started, but she was like, Hey, Kelsey and this girl, Karina, they're doing this thing in Mexico. And I'm like, I like Mexico. Like, tell me more. And so <laughs> that's what originally got me was Mexico. And then she's like, it's like a business, you know, you, you take your laptop and you, you know, we had this idea, we had this idea, this expectation that we were going to be out there clacking on our laptops and just work, work, work and all that. And I'm like, yeah, we could use that. Like I, and we're just yoga and we're going to go surfing and oh my God, the rooms are gorgeous. Yeah. Okay. Done, 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 done. <laughs> but you know, and in the moment I was like, done, done. And then I got home and I'm sure everybody experiences this and this is nothing against you or your business or your value, what mm. you offer. But I saw the price tag and I was like, you know, it's crazy. It wasn't, can I afford it? It was, am I worth it? Like if I really, mm. if I really got past the, can I afford it? It wasn't, can I afford it? Like, cause yeah, we can afford anything we want. Like right. realistically we can afford anything we want. Mm-hmm. And I had to really look past that. And I realized that the question I was really asking, like, am I worth it? Are you worth this much money as And I was like, Oh, rude. I'm worth diamonds and rubies and emeralds and all of the fancy things. And why is the price tag making me choke up? Like, what is it? And I realized that I had a huge fear of money. Like I've always had it, but it was in that particular moment when I wanted to invest in something besides my kit or besides my business, it was myself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why is it so hard for me to pull the trigger? I have no problem spending six, $700 on foundation. You know, why can't I spend this much money on me? And I talked to Rachel about it. We went back and forth and I was like, all right, dude, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I made the first payment to you. And then I don't know if you remember, but a couple of weeks later, I was like, take all my money. Like I yeah. don't do the payments, take all my money. Mm-hmm. And I am so happy I did. I'm so happy I did. It's something I will never forget and still lives with me every single day. Like, how do you think you got from point A to point B, from am I worth it to like truly believing you were worth the investment of showing up in Baja and receiving what you received before you even like really knew what you were going to get, but just like the price tag of a couple grand. Right. Spending on yourself. How did you get from, am I worth it to, I'm going to spend this money? Um, I'll be honest. I did something that I don't normally do. And you might be, I know you're familiar with this in myself. Like I asked for help. Like I asked for help. And not only that, I, I kind of had to like, it took a couple of days, you know, and it took a couple of days of me doing the same shit over and over again, to be honest, like having the same conversations with myself, like, but as like, you didn't do the thing today. Oh, you didn't do the to-do list. Oh, you know, like my ADHD. And it was just the mm-hmm. same I, I, I was like, oh my God, I, I need a change. Like I need a change. I've been begging myself to change myself for a very long time. And it all comes down to choices. Realistically, it comes down to the choice that you make in that moment. And 
So after a couple of days of me just having the same goddamn conversations with myself in my head over and over again, which weren't great. They weren't great conversations. They weren't beneficial to me in any way. They didn't make me feel better. Like I was just dogging myself and honestly giving me all the fear-based reasons why I shouldn't do it. And then I, I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? Like, it's the definition of chaos. I'm doing the same thing over and over again. No changes, no nothing. And I need a big change. Sometimes I realize sometimes you need a big change, a big shift in order to make things happen. You know, it's not to say that the little shifts in your life aren't important, like drinking more water and maybe waking up a little bit early and making time for yourself. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I'll be, I'll be blatantly honest, like sometimes it's not enough. Like it's yeah. you need a swift kick in the ass from the universe. So, yeah. I, I love like, that. Oh, yeah. Just having this conversation with yourself over and over again. So fast forward to the actual retreat. We yeah. <laughs> where what were some of the lessons? What were some of the big things that you got out of it that one you were expecting? And what was okay, let's start with that. What were you expecting on the retreat that you got? You were like, yep, I knew I was gonna get this. This okay. is exactly what it was. Let's start there. Um, okay. So like I said, you know, Rachel and I were like, oh, we're going to go with our laptops. We're going to business and all of that. So yeah, like the coaching from Kelsey was phenomenal. Um, I knew we were going to go in doing yoga. So I was expected my body to get woken up and rejuvenated again. So, you know, that was great. I expected a beautiful scenery, you know, all the basics or whatever. Um, yeah, like that was, those are probably my biggest things is like, you know, with the business and everything, like I, I got exactly what I thought I was going to get out of it. If not more, I mean to say, but yeah. yeah. So what were some of the unexpected? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> let's just say that little tidbit I just went over of the things that I expected was like a fraction of what it actually was. Mm. I, we, you know, we walked in, we're a little bit nervous or whatever. We have that first like roundabout at dinner and everybody's talking about themselves and, you know, introducing themselves. And there's just that typical, oh, hello, my name is so-and-so. That's what I do, blah, blah, blah. And then by day three, we're hugging each other and we're just spilling our deepest, you know, vulnerabilities about business and life and all of that. And, you know, I, I didn't expect to leave with just some of the best humans I've ever met in my life mm-hmm. that I can consistently consistently call good best friends. Like we help you, we help each other out so much all the time. And I also didn't expect to leave with such a sense of like worthiness in myself. Like Mm -hmm. I, I went, I I think I told you this a little bit when I first got there, I, I had a moment where I was like, what the hell am I doing here? Like, I, I don't belong here. I had this really deep sense of imposter syndrome. I'm around all these incredible CEO women, just killing it. Molly Denali over here, 22, busting it out with her like business and all that. I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. You intimidate me, but you're so fascinating. Like, you know, again, love, hate thing with people. I'm like, I love people. They're so great. So, you know, I didn't expect to leave with such a sense of worthiness because I got there scared. And then it wasn't until we did all the deep meditations and I started to like vibe with my body and, you know, all the, the business courses we went through, I started to realize that I was capable of so much more. I actually knew a lot more than I thought I did, which I'm always afraid of not being knowledgeable enough. Um, so I came out of that 
just like, you know, no, just knowing, knowing my worth, knowing what my purpose is, knowing who I am. I was, I'm more authentically myself than I ever have been. And I'm just, I, I, yeah, I left with so much, but a sense of worth again, after giving and giving for so long, like, I can't thank you enough for that. Mm. That I think is so huge. Like we can give you all the tools to run a business, all the strategies to do things, to live a life. And that's all great. But if you don't genuinely feel that you are worthy of knowing these things, of using these tools and being surrounded by people like Molly or people that are successful, more successful than you, and you deserve to learn from them, like that's just something that holds you back so much if you do not believe that you are worthy. And to hear that, that that came from this retreat is just so powerful and exciting because every other person on that retreat felt that way as well. And that's why the group chat's still popping off. Oh, it's all, every day. I feel like every, every day, day. <laughs> someone's like, look at this win. Someone's like, look at this failure. And I, yeah. fixed it. you know, like I love that. we're sharing good things. We're sharing bad things. We're sharing all the things in there. Yeah. And to feel that connection between or the transition, I guess, of imposter syndrome. And I remember you talking about it. And actually you just mentioned it that like, who am I to sit at this table Mm -hmm. with all of these people? Mm -hmm. But I guarantee like everyone feels the same way because like I was as the lead, I was like, there's a, there's a, a, a owner of a million dollar, multi-million dollar yes. business. Actually, I think there's multiple, multi-million multiple, yes. at that table. And I was like, I was yeah. like, um, yeah. well, I'm going to teach you some yoga and I'm going to teach yeah. you some mental skills yeah. and, um, you are going to do this. Yeah, <laughs> you know? pretty like, much. That's how I felt too. Yeah. Everyone has that imposter syndrome, but it's the stepping into, yeah, but I know my shit. Yeah. And you hearing, I literally wrote it down. I knew a lot more than I thought I did, that. And whether that's in business. And I remember, you know, you talking about different business aspects, like you knew way more than you even know that, you know, and right. we forget about that because it's inside of our brain. Mm-hmm. And we don't actually have this like gauge of like, what do you know? Like, I know more than you, not in like, a, I, I know more than you, but mm-hmm. like, I can help you. I can provide this. I am an asset by knowing this information and I can do this for myself or for other people, help other businesses, help other women, help other whatever. And to step into knowing who you are and into that worthiness is just so big. That sounds like from the, you're worth the investment, the initial investment Mm -hmm. to I'm worthy of sitting at this table. Like that seems like such a big theme. A hundred percent. I, you know, you know, it's pretty crazy. Like at the end of it, we were kind of chit-chatting or whatever. It was right before we left. And I think you were asking us like, oh, if you could change anything, you know, what would it be? And we had to like really pull for stuff. Like, like if we really had to pull for stuff. And I think Rachel and I were both like, oh, well, you know, the rooms were a little tight, you know, or what? I think that was our yeah, main. You were like five, you were like five, five to one bathroom. And I was like, women. fair. Yeah. So <laughs> if, if we had to like pull out something and then again, Molly Denali over here, Molly pops up with like, oh, I don't even care. I'll be in a tent with like 20 people down on the beach. I'll, I'll do whatever, because whatever I learned here was worth it. And we both were humbled 
like that. Like we looked at each other, we went back to the room and I was like, can we unpack what just happened there? And she's like, yes. And I'm like, we went in with these, you know, I don't know, crazy expectations, you know, whatever. And then instead of just letting it go or whatever, that was the one thing that we picked. And then even Molly had something to say where she was like, yes, but it's worth its weight in what you like, what you paid, you know, Mm -hmm. like looking past the bathroom situation, like, you know, that, that price tag, like what, what, what else does it mean? You know, what else does that does that represent? And I realized it had nothing to do with the bathroom. It had nothing to do with the damn surfboard hitting me in the face. It had nothing to do with any of that. It had to do with me being there and reconnecting with myself and, you know, asking for help, which is something I've always had problems with. And knowing that I, I am a badass. I am a CEO. I am, I self-identify, you know, as things. And it really felt good. Like, because with that worthiness came confidence mm-hmm. and with that confidence came a love for myself and the people around me. And it just started this cyclical ball of where I am today. And I'm Kane Hart's killing it. Rachel and I are, are killing it with again, the group chats popping off. Like, and I, I'm so happy knowing that I deserve all of that. Like I really do deserve it. And I am worth every single thing. So I love that. Yeah. <laughs> So you mentioned one of the workshops that we did, um, and for everyone listening, one of the workshops we did, we really talked about a huge motivator of being like who you are, what are your identifiers and what are some of the identifiers that came out of this retreat that you now identify with that you may not have either known yet and like labeled yet, or just completely new identifiers that you were like, I am stepping into this role. This is who I am as a person. And it's easier to do all the things in your life because of it. Um, I think one of the biggest things, um, and maybe it seems kind of basic, like surface level, but like, I, and really trying to self-identify just as a human first. Like mm-hmm. I, I self-identify as a human. I have feelings, I have emotions, I have passions, I have drives, I have wins, I have failures. And like, you know, and that's okay to be human. It's okay to have all of those things. Yeah. And that wasn't, I, that was something that I actually recently realized. It wasn't even at the trip. Like I, I've been really trying to practice using that, that self-identifying talk. I feel like it's my best motivator from what I learned on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, and I use it a lot, like all the time. And so one of the things that I use is first I'm a human and that kind of helps me get past any anxiety, you know, maybe overwhelmed feelings is like, okay, I'm a human. It's all right. Um, and then, you know, I'm a mom, like what does being a mom look like to me? Like, honestly, really? Cause sometimes we get caught up in like what everybody else thinks about us, but like, I am a mom. I, me, 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 not everybody else, but I'm a mom and I'm a CEO. I'm a fiance. Um, and even the things that I don't like to do, like I am a good housekeeper. Like I don't want to do the dishes, but like, you know, when I tell myself, well, I am, I'm a clean person and I, the CEOs are organized and have, you know, well-organized brains. And that motivates me to do the damn dishes. I, I hate them. Like I'll admit it. I hate it. So it's just little things like that. I mean, I find myself using self-identifying literally with everything I do when it comes to washing my face. Like, cause it's the one thing that motivates me. It's just like, okay, well, this is what, you know, beautiful people, beautiful skin do like, this is what, you know, people who love themselves and take care of themselves do. And 
And in the, in the moment, even though I don't want to do it secretly deep down and deep down inside, I realized I really do want to do it. I really do yeah. want to like do the things. Mm-hmm. So, and it's just scratchy, helping me scratch the surface to really pull back and get into like creating that life that I want. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Self-identifying is truly such a big, deep down mm-hmm. motivator for people to show up and do things. Like, why are you actually showing up to do the dishes? It's not to do the freaking dishes because right. no one likes, actually some people like them. I don't know why. No. <laughs> like people who run. No. There, I was just listening off topic. I was just listening to some comedian who, with my boyfriend next to me, and we were listening to some stand up on the drive on home. And, um, he was like, there's people who do the dishes and there's people who let them soak. And my boyfriend like looked at me and I was like, oh man, I know exactly which one I am. Yep. I'm a soaker. I'm a soaker. (laughs) I am a soaker. He (laughs) is the one that does the dishes. Thankfully he's very kind. But anyway, (laughs) self-identifier is really like such a huge motivator for Mm -hmm. showing up and doing the things that you don't always want to do because you're like, yeah, clean and organized equals CEO. Mm -hmm. Therefore I got to keep my house clean. I got to keep my house organized. Mm Got to do the dang dishes sometimes, you know, I love that. And it really does, uh, kind of dig deeper into you showing up consistently. It really is so important does yeah i i will say it it's a little silly at first just like any sort of like daily affirmation you know you're yourself in the mirror just like you are worthy you are beautiful you know it feels really weird at first you know sitting there brushing my teeth this thing be like you do this because you know you're this and that like you know but i as it goes it becomes just like a habit an unconscious thought like Mm -hmm. the motive the the motivation just lives inside my brain and i can tap into it whenever i want when i really need it and that was that was like one of my favorite lesson. Oh my gosh. That was one of my favorite lessons we did in Baja. Like that motivation spectrum. I tell people about it all the time. I love it. I love it. Uh, (laughs) So where are you at now? Like how, I mean, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but Mm -hmm. where are you at now? It's been a month since you got back from the retreat, which is so crazy. Um, it's been a month. What are some things that have come out of the retreat? Some big life lessons, some bleeding into other areas. Like, have you seen it? I mean, yes, it's a business retreat, but it was so much more than that for, I know you and so many, everybody else. I, I, I can't believe it's only been a month. Like some days it feels like it was just yesterday. Sometimes it Mm. feels like it was years ago. Um, I've got a countdown for the next one. I'm so excited. Like, I can't even tell you. Uh, so I, I brought where I am now. That's, that's what, that's what we're talking about where I am now. I'm Rachel and I are doing awesome with the business. I feel more confident than ever. I definitely brought that back from Baja. I've been taking care of my body more than ever. Um, little changes here and there. I know if I was being very vulnerable, um, one of the things that I brought up to some of the girls is I, I don't, I don't know if it would necessarily be called like an eating disorder, but I have high anxiety around eating, like just Mm -hmm. making meals, planning meals, all of that stuff. And I, when I was there, like the food really, really helped me like get back in touch with like flavors and all that stuff Mm -hmm. and maybe enjoy food again. And I opened up to the girls and um, the girls were like, Hey, you know, these are certain things you can do if you're getting overwhelmed. It's not the fact that you don't want to eat. It's that you do, but you know, I've got, 
I have ADHD and you know, it, my brain gets really crazy sometimes. And so I'll stand in front of the pantry for like 20 minutes and I'm like, I still don't know what I want to eat. And that causes me to just give up on it. And so I took that, I was vulnerable with the girls and I told them that, and I was like, I don't know what's going on with me. You know, I, I think I have this around eating and they gave me solutions for that. And now I'm proud to say that, you know, I did the easy thing. I signed up for HelloFresh. I get meals delivered Love all the time it. and it's great. Cause I don't have to think about it anymore. And there's so much less stress in my life around dinner time. Like it's not even funny. This is not a, this is not a paid ad. Like I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying like as somebody with the HelloFresh, I know HelloFresh to do, <laughs> um, but you know, now I, I still have my rough days. Don't get me wrong. Like we all have rough days. I think coming back from Baja, there was a few of us where reality hit us pretty hard, like just mm -hmm. came back to it and bam, life was right back in it again. And one of the things I had a moment right before everybody left, um, where I lost my bananas in Baja and I started crying because I was so afraid that I was going to come back home and I was not going to be able to be the person that I was in Baja. And that was rough. Like I'm getting emotional thinking about it now because I, I was like, yes, I'm so great now. And everything is so awesome. And I don't want to go home. I don't want to go home because that's not who I am at home. Like I had this like idea, like I was separated, like the person I was at home and the person I was in Baja were two completely different people. Like, mm -hmm. and I was afraid that when I got back here, I, she was gone. And you know, they, they force you to get on the bus and they make you get on the plane and they make you go home. Cause you know, you all, you got to go back. And for the first week it was, it was odd. Like, I think I went into it like, okay, I'm going to work out every day and I'm going to do a CEO thing every day mm. I'm get on a schedule. I'm going to be like Chelsea and I'm going to time block every single second of my day. I'm going to you know, do this. I'm going to, you know, call Jenny. I'm going to do all these things. And I, I, I burned myself out super fast. I mm -hmm. crashed hard one, because I did not process from Baja yet. I didn't take the time to take a vacation from my vacation mm -hmm. and just like ease back into life. Um, I tried to bring back, like I said, it was like two different people. Right. So instead of slowly integrating that new person into the family and, you know, into myself, there was just like two separate people living in the house. Like one moment I would be like super motivated and wanting to do things. And the next moment I'd be like, I don't want to do anything. It's my old self and you know, whatever. And so it took some time, you know, obviously about a month and I'm still like, you know, I'm still learning and growing and, and, and taking things from Baja, but you gave me the tools that I need to help manage my stress, which is, was like a huge, huge thing. And also with motivation. And those were like my two big things, honestly, like stress and motivation <laughs> and the, they were, they coincide with each other. And so now a month after Baja, now that I've calmed down a little bit and I processed more and I've given myself some grace, um, I feel like I am on a trajectory that I've never been before with so many new tools and so many new thoughts and emotions that mm. are propelling me, like literally propelling me into exactly who I want to be. Like I have anybody believes in manifestation and all that stuff. Like, it's not just about sitting around and being like, I want to do this. Like you got to put in some work. Like you really mm. do. You got to put, you got to invest in yourself and I really do believe I'm manifesting my dream life. I am creating my life by design. I'm making the choices every day to put me where I need to be. And I 
like I said, this is not a paid ad. I, it's all Baja. It was all Baja and you guys and my little rose bush and all of that. It's, I, I can't, I am so grateful. I'm ready for next year. Ready for next year. Alumni. Like, <laughs> so. Ready to go. Alumni. Yes. Start the countdown. Actually, you have started the countdown. I do. I got, it's going. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that's so amazing to hear honestly like it's truly I am so grateful that you have been able to feel all of those things and get all of that because like yes don't get me wrong that was her intention to like help you propel you into the life that you want to create but to actually hear it's that and more is just so amazing and wild and like that's the reason why before we even left we were like we're doing this again We placed a deposit before we even left. We had you guys place a deposit before we even left for next year. Like, and now we have the Baja retreat for next year, half filled, like nine people are coming and it's 11 months away. (laughs) It's amazing. It's exactly 345 days to be exact. (laughs) (laughs) In case anyone is wondering, you have a countdown, 345 days. We will put the application in the show notes so you can apply and join Azzy, join Rachel, join Jenny, all the Molly, like all the people that are on the podcast. And oh my gosh. So as we wrap up here, are there any last bits any last nuggets of information, nuggets of wisdom, like things that you would like to leave with the listeners? Um, yeah, I guess. So the one I like to pick a word at the beginning of every year, like just kind of something to lean into last year. My word was accountability. I was going through a lot of things with a lot of people and I'm like, everybody's gotta be accountable. I gotta be accountable. All the, you know, all the stuff. And then this year, the word that I really wanted to lean to lean into was authenticity, like being authentic with myself, being authentic with, you know, my business, my branding, you know, my family with, with everything. And, um, I like kind of going back to the story about burning man, like, had I not, had I not trusted my own gut, like nobody else's like, sure. You know, I've got my friends that were like, Oh, maybe here, you know, whatever. But had I not just trusted my gut and gone home and quit my job and joined beauty school you know, against whatever, everybody else, there was a couple of people out there, a couple of naysayers that were like, mm. oh, there's there many in the beauty industry, which <laughs> let me tell you, friends, <laughs> it's a good industry to be in. You know, you get your naysayers, you're, you're the people that are operating on a lower vibration than you that want to keep you there, you know, whatever it is, you know, that's going on. And you got, you really honestly have to cut that out. Like, trust your gut instinct. You'll, you'll never know exactly who you can be until you trust your gut mm-hmm. as it's yours. Like it's nobody else's. So I, I mean, I, had I not trusted my gut about Baja, I wouldn't have gone to Baja. I wouldn't have, I, I'm from California y'all. Okay. I left sunny beaches of San Diego, you know, because I trusted my gut and came up to Washington and I've been here for 12 years and I love it. Was it hard? Yeah. Like, did we stay together? No. Like I moved up here with a boy, but you know, <laughs> I, I found cosmetology and I found my true tribe and I found, you know, all my true friends up here and still go back home, still go back mm-hmm. home. You could always go back. You could always, you know, reminisce or whatever, but I mean, trust, trust your gut, trust, take the vacation, do buy the house, you know, have mm-hmm. the baby, get the, the puppy, you know, like do the thing, do the thing, just do the thing. damn thing. I it's always crazy. think about that. I let my, I let my brain go to like worst case scenario yeah. and like, 
in reality, it's never as bad as you actually mm-hmm. think. You're like, my life is over. And it's like, okay, but like, what would actually happen? Yeah. And I remember when I moved out to Washington, what would actually happen if it didn't work out is I would move home to Florida. Oh. That's it. That's yep. the worst case scenario uh, is I would go back to my old job, which paid like fine, a living wage. Not great. Wasn't the mm-hmm. happiest, you know, but like, mm-hmm. that's worst case scenario is I just end mm-hmm. up back where I was. Yeah. And like, same thing for when I quit my corporate job, like worst case scenario, I apply again. I left on like good yeah, relations. Yeah. So like mm-hmm. I could apply again. Would I get, you know, the site that I was at? Probably not. But like I could go back to a corporate mm-hmm. job. There's nothing yeah. stopping me. I can apply to work at REI if I wanted to. There's yeah, nothing exactly. stopping me. You know, like your worst case scenario is never actually that bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, I think you mentioned it a couple of days ago or so or whatever, like or even in a podcast, like most, most people are afraid to go there because Mm -hmm. it's almost like, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about it, you know, and Mm. it's just, it'll be bad. It'll be so bad. And it's like, okay, but yeah, it'll, it'll be quote unquote bad, but like allow yourself to really live in that space. Like, because most of the time the anxiety that we feel is the unknown. So Mm -hmm. it makes you sit down and maybe think about what would actually happen. You're like, okay, now I know what would happen. It's not bad. Yeah. Wow. So true. I love that. So just live your authentic life, do the thing, go out, take the risk, be, choose your, choose your own adventure, choose your own. And that's the true adventure. And that's the true adventure. (laughs) (laughs) And done. Mike, that's the end of the podcast. (laughs) No. Um, so as this is the end of the podcast, as you tell everyone how they can work with you, how if they're getting married or if they want to listen to a new podcast or oh, anything else, sell, tell them what you have. Oh my goodness. To all of my adventure loving brides, again, food, traveling, whatever that is, adventurous brides out there, or just people going through like big life experiences. I mean, maternity, prom, you know, whatever we love doing hair and makeup for all those things. But I mean, to honestly, just Kane Hart is, is where my passion's at. It's Rachel and I, um, you can find us online at kanehart.com. And while the website isn't launched yet, you can still sign up for our email list for when we do launch. And it's going to have all kinds of fun stuff from like personal stories to wedding tips and tricks, do's and don'ts, you know, all that stuff. We essentially are going to spend 52 weeks with our brides, you know, almost a year. And we want to get to know you. Like we want to be a friend and go with you to all the places on boats, on mountains and rivers and I don't know. I've, I've never been on a hot air balloon. So if anybody wants to do that, I would I'd love to add that to my bucket list. I love that. Um, and do you get so, hazard pay if you have to go on hot air balloon? 100% insurance. <laughs> yep. Sign here on the dotted line. <laughs> but yeah, like so um, you can find Kay and Hart on Instagram as well. It's K and H-A-R-T. It's a combination of our married names, which is fun. Um, so we have our Instagram, our website, and then you can find me individually, um, on Instagram at that bridal girl. Um, and then I also have a website that bridalgirl.com. but essentially I am one of K and heart. And if you want to get to know me individually, you know, go to that bridal girl. If you're looking to book us, go to K and heart, but either way, it's going to be a good time. 100%. I love it. All of that will be linked in the show notes um, and I will put everything in there. However you want to connect with Azzy. I am so excited. Thank you, Azzy, for being on the podcast. You were truly so fun to talk to and hear about your entire experience before, during, and after Baja. 
it's been amazing. And it's been amazing to, I've only known you for less than a year and really got to know you a month ago. Yeah. And it's been so cool to see the transformation and the life you have in your face when you talk about things versus like where you were of the imposter syndrome. Like you are stepping into this incredible person that knows she's worthy of all these things. And I, I love it. And I thank you for letting me be a part of that journey. Girl, I same, I can't thank you enough for just being you like as a human down to the basics, a human, you're a good hearted person that has a lot of knowledge and love to give. And I'm just so grateful that I was able to be on the receiving end of that. And I cannot wait for Baja next year. So (laughs) thank you for having me. I appreciate it so much. Of course. And I will also link for everyone who wants to join Azzy on Baja 2024. We will link the application in the show notes. All right, friends, that is what I have for you. Thank you, Azzy. And I will talk to you all in the next episode.